Welcome to the Downstream from Religion podcast. Here we look at the book of Judges and show how the book highlights the problems and solutions for our times. Feel free to email me with comments or questions to rabbi at rabbibailey.com. Most importantly, please subscribe, tell your friends, and write a good review. Today we have a very special guest, my cousin Aaron, E-R-I-N. How you doing, cuz? I'm great. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to be doing this. This It's good energy. It's a good feeling. This is great. This is great. And I love that this is a family affair right now. This is awesome. Yeah. Good to connect family in these disconnected times here in the That's summer. Very true. August of 2021. Who'd have thunk we'd go from eating Cheerios in grandma and grandpa's kitchen to sharing, <laughs> sharing biblical ideas on a podcast. That's right. That's right. I remember vividly us sitting in that big armchair sharing our Cheerios in our, in our little cup. I remember this. Nice, yes. Nice. I remember the pictures that reconstructs it in my mind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you got to find those pictures. Wait a minute. All right. We'll find them. I know. We do need to find those pictures for sure. And the day old cookies. I remember that too. Mm. <laughs> mm. I need a midnight snack now. But anyway, um, uh, our goal, our united goal as people, the book, books, book, is to uh, take these people, the individuals in the Bible, uh, specifically the book of Judges, and, and understand they're not just people in the robes that all look the same, but they all have distinct uh, messages and application for uh, today. We're in Judges uh, 4. And I wanted to have my cousin Aaron on because I want a wise, authentic woman for the episode. <laughs> I don't know about wise, but... <laughs> You're authentic. She's a woman. It's true. Um, I want to speak about male-female interaction and uh, exceptional women and how exceptional women relate to society. For sure. For sure. And you're say, you were saying how studying the Old Testament is like interesting to you. Yes. I um, So I guess for anybody listening, just, just so that your listeners know, I'm actually a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And Ian and I, I love our dynamic and our open dialogue because we're able to just share so much and really be respectful and loving of each other and our beliefs and be able to learn and grow together. And um, I was telling Ian earlier that unfortunately, I think a lot of other Christian religions really shy away from the Old Testament because they think it's just too hard. It's too hard to learn or the language is difficult. And so I have not um, unfortunately put a lot of time and effort into the Old Testament. So this was a really um, really great lesson for me, um, going over judges for really delving in, looking up questions, figuring out, um, some of the themes and how that fit into my beliefs and, and the overarching, um, you know, kind of things that happening in our society right now. And it it was really interesting for me. And I, I'm really, I'm excited to talk about it. Awesome. I can't wait. And you said next year, Judges is part of your cycle of LDS church, right? Yes. Yeah. So we, every year we focus on another um, group of scripture basically. So, so this year we are focusing on the new Testament next year, we're focusing on the old Testament and um, it's going to be really exciting because I think again, a lot of people in our church really have not focused much on the old Testament before. So this is going to be very new and exciting for a lot of people. And so I'm um, just knowing that, that, you just have this lifetime of, of study and scripture. I am so excited to share that with my friends and family. Cause I think that's really going to be needed and, and it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah. So that's all awesome. 2022 is going to be old Testament. Yep. 2022. It's a new year. That's Excellent. right. And uh, yeah, that's my passion. Bringing lessons from the Hebrew and the scriptures, the 24 book of the scriptures and Jewish tradition to modern day life. 
Yes. Um, and someone who also had a passion for teaching was Deborah Devora. Yes. Um, yeah. Interesting person. We're going to have an inside out approach today, different than the other episodes. I want to start with her. So you notice that it calls her a prophetess and it yes. doesn't, doesn't quite say, it doesn't say she's a judge uh, in, in those sentences there. So who is the right. prophet here? Is it Barak? Is it Deborah? Uniquely, it says shofta. She judged Israel as a verb over here. But right. it's sort of, in your research, it's sort of like, okay, she's a prophetess, but who's the official judge here? Is it De Deborah Barak, right? Right, yeah. As I was reading it, I actually, I, I got to the very end, to be honest, and I still was kind of questioning because in my mind, judges were, were male. And so right. is, is Deborah really the judge at this time or is it Barack? And she was just the messenger. And yes, I'm still, I'm still kind of trying to figure that out in my head. Exactly. And at the end of chapter five, after the song of Deborah, it doesn't say like it says with the other judges and this person judged for whatever years and saved Israel. Yes. It just says the land was tranquil for 40 years. So even though by other judges, it says they judged here, it doesn't quite give that stamp of approval. So in right. our tradition, she is the official judge. And there's okay. a lot of a lot of writings about how could it be a woman is a judge. Basically, it's a high level rabbi. Certain rabbis like me are ordained in the laws of kosher and Shabbat, Sabbath and all that. Yeah. Uh, a judge is like a higher level. I don't, I don't even have that ordination. Very high level. Okay. Rabbinic ordination. So a lot of discussion. Maybe it was uh, God approved her. So it's okay. Maybe uh, um, women are allowed to be judges and people accept their judgment. But uh, no matter how you slice it, she was. Basically, this is the essence of the conversation here. She was de facto the smartest person in the country. She was the wisest woman in the room. So you, yes. have, you have to defer to her yes. wisdom. Barack was a, basically a military general, probably a wise man as well. We're actually going to get into that. You're going to love some of the sources I have on their relationship. Let's get real basic to start, though. This is really interesting. Okay. It says she was a wife of Lapidot, right? That's, that's yep. her husband. Some sources say Lapidot was Barack. Oh, really? Isn't that interesting? Interesting, right? That oh, is yeah. interesting. I didn't, I would not have put that together for sure. No. And many times in scripture, it says the, the person A, that's really person B, the, the rabbis say. Now, sometimes I learn it to be like that, the same personality, it's hyperbole. It's exaggeration. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. But here, here they take it very seriously that, that they really, okay. it was her husband's, some opinions say, and lapidot means a wick. In Hebrew, this is again, this is a Hebrew you were talking about. It's so important to go to the old, the, the, the 24 books of the Hebrew uh, Bible and understand things in the original Hebrew. So why is it a wick? Yes. Some people say, some people say it's not her husband. It means she was a fiery personality. Okay. <laughs> Which is probably true too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And in fact, well, you're onto something because in fact, when they expound, the rabbis expound something, they could all be true. It doesn't have to be a contradiction. Like, you know, this is kosher. It's not kosher. That's kind of uh, binary. Right. But if you say two different ideas, they could both be right. Like there's a famous sentence, if a man is worried, in Proverbs, I think if a man is worried, he should speak about it, like talk therapy, you know, hey, therapist. But yeah. some, another, another opinion says it means to forget about it. Yisichana means forget about it, not think about it. So both are true at different times, right? Yep. Interesting. Boom. So in, in Maybe this, that's why yeah. he said I'm not going without you. Because <laughs> she's a fiery woman. That, if that's really her husband, right? He's like, well, I, I can't do it without you, right? <laughs> well, we, we got to get into that because, oh, there's so many things here. Okay, one at a time, I one know, at a time. Sorry. It's too I'm exciting. <laughs> it's such, it's, a, it's like everyday life, everyday in therapy. 
I'm dealing with these things. Right. So, okay. So first of all, she's the wisest woman. She was a fiery personality. She's married to yes. someone over here. And they, so, for, you know, so everyone is driving in their car. They don't have to pull over and look at the maps and look at the, the, uh, all the stories over here. Basically, there's a king named uh, Yav, um, Yavin in Hebrew. I'm not sure what it says in your scripture. Jabin, the king of Canaan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Canaan was a powerful nation at that time, along with the Hittites. Sure. He was actually the father of all the nations you hear about living in Israel. Okay. He was the father of the nations named after him. He, other nations came from him. And this powerful general, Sisera, with hundreds of chariots. And they came to attack yeah. Israel. Deborah and her husband are coming to save Israel. And at the end, we'll get to what I spoke about in part one of the Deborah series about how each one of the judges is coming to fix a spiritual problem within the Jewish people. Uh, idol worship is the manifestation of the problem. Yes. Each foe who comes is attacking for a reason. Each salvation is for a reason. They have a cosmic fixing in these seven steps towards kingship. Um, and this, this is a very specific step here that has two levels. So okay. um, that's the story essentially. So Deborah says to her husband, okay, listen, listen, <laughs> I'm in this. If you look at a map, again, we're looking at this, this kind of squished triangle. I always just try to describe here, but yes. in, the, in the middle of the country, Deborah's over there. And she's uh, sending messengers up to Barak up in the far, far north. That's right. where that's where Jabin and uh, Sisera are attacking. And she says, well, go to the war. Okay, yeah. so you have a chance to do the war. And he says, I'm not going to go without you. He said, I'm, I'm a wimp. I'm not leaving without you. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So just as a side note, we're going to get a lot of people talking to us about how these are great leaders in the in the bible we shouldn't criticize them out of hand so we're not criticizing them out of hand they are great people who made certain decisions that we know are foibles or different direction they went in and the scriptures are meant to learn from them Absolutely. so it's okay, it's okay to criticize them or to learn from their behavior we're not going to demean them it's how you talk about it that matters so sure. somehow in his decision making he's not taking initiative so is, sure. I mean, so think so you know in terms of men and women relationships what do you think about men taking initiative Right. And men not take initiative. Isn't that an important topic? Huh? <laughs> yes. Well, and looking at, again, I love how you um, take the scriptural references and really apply them to our day, because I think there's so much more in common here that we have that's uncommon, really. That's right. That's right. That's right. And um, I, as I was reading this, I just kept thinking, okay, what's happening with some of the men at this time period? Again, not to demean anybody, but what's happening to some of the men in this time period where none of them felt like, or maybe they were fearful or something was happening that none of them felt like they could have that faith to go, no, I will go conquer, or I will, you know, I will free right. the Jewish people or whatever right. it is. And so then, then Deborah really had to step up. And I, and I thought it was very interesting when Barack said, no, I'm, I, I can't do that without, if you go, then I'll go. Right. Yeah, but if you yeah. won't go, then I'm not going. And, and, and I don't know why that is. Maybe he was fearful or maybe he knew something we didn't know. I don't, I'm not exactly sure, but Sure. I think it was very interesting that um, it really took Deborah saying, okay, I will go with you in order for him to have that confidence to be able to fulfill that mission. Right. Yeah. And um, it's so interesting because I think in our day and age, you know, Ian, Ian and I have chatted about this before, but I think in our day, and I, I find myself being a very strong willed person. Um, I'm married to an amazing man and he is just lovely in so many respects and I adore him. And he's I a great him. dude. I love that. dude. He's great. He's, yes. He's amazing. Um, and, and he can handle me most of the time, which is awesome. But, <laughs> um, 
I think in our society, it's, it is a little bit difficult because I am a little bit more quote unquote traditional as well. Like I, I love to be independent. I've always been that way. I, I feel like if I really needed to, I could go out and work and provide for my family and do what I needed to do. But I am also a little bit more traditional where I love being able to be home with my children. If my husband worked all day and needs a sandwich, I will make him a sandwich gladly. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. And there's, unfortunately- It has nothing to do with demeaning a woman, but that's the, not cho- at all. the choices you made. Men and women are different. It happens to be usually- this is the manifestation of the best way to work in the family happens to yeah. be some people are stay-at-home dads and the wife works, but, but sure. this is what works for you. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It's, it's no, a good thing. No. It's a good thing for your family. And, and I think people get very confused because they, how do I even put that? I, I take that as a form of respect. Whereas mm. a lot of people feel like, like you said, it is demeaning. Like it's demeaning to a woman to make a sandwich for her husband or whatever, mm. where I feel like that is actually me being very respectful of my husband and his time. And he has worked very hard today to provide for our family. That's kind of the least I could do at this right. point. Right. So um, I, unfortunately, I feel like people are very quick to judge or to take that victim mindset where like, oh, well, you're being oppressed or, or you're right. being a victim. No, not at all. I just respect my husband and I'm grateful right. for the things that he does for us. And I love to be able to serve him. So I think it's a totally different mindset. Right. Yeah. Just to differentiate, there's a book called Positive Discipline that I like about a parenting method. In the yes. introduction, they talk about not having a fear-based model for children. Yes. And they mentioned how they mentioned how, you know, 50, 60 years ago, the children learned from the mom to be subservient because the husband exercised a fear based model on the wife as well. But yes. you, you're not talking about a fear based model. You're talking about a choice nope. that the couple makes together, that they're respecting each other. And you not believe this. I just saw tonight in my extra research, Jael, yeah. the lady at the end of this yes. chapter, uh-huh. it says actually says it doesn't say it in the text, but it says in the tradition, she was one of the most righteous women because she listened to her husband at the appropriate time. It doesn't mean she's mm. obedient and has no mindset of her own, but she was nope. respectful of the male-female relationship and she got to use her femininity in order to slay the dragons of the, yes. of the man, so to speak. So this is Jael. Yes. And, yeah, exactly. And, and I love that. And I love that example of a husband and a wife working together. They both have their own strengths. They both have their mm. own weaknesses. And they, if they're complimenting each other, they're respectful of each other. And guess what? They're serving each other as well. You know, right. and right. if there's that mutual respectful relationship and the best thing you can do for your kids is to love your spouse, right? Right. Serving and, is a loving giving. It's not a servitude. Yes. Yes, for sure. So I, I think people do, especially in our society right now, kind of take the approach, like you were saying that it's almost a fear-based thing. And so if you're yeah. doing something to serve your husband that, that you are, you, you don't have a mind of your own or you, you're not independent right. and that's not the case at all. Right. Um, and, and I have gotten a little flack from people about, I, I want to be at home raising my children. It's just, right. That's not everybody's choice and that's fine. Everybody can choose what they want to choose. Right. Um, but that's, I want to be able to, to serve my children in that way. I want to be able to serve my husband in that way. And it doesn't make me any less smart, any less right. independent, any less, you know what I mean? No, so, you're a very wise woman. And I think a lot more people in the country and the world agree with you, even though it's not in the media or in the universities. For sure. You should, you should feel validated. There are other people um, who feel that way. And just to depersonalize it from you, uh, but to make an interesting case to kind of fit this situation, imagine a woman who is like a high level professor and, and she works hard and she falls in love with someone who, let's say, is an electrician or a repairman. And yes. she says, well, you know, I, I get along with him and I like him, but I can't have these deep intellectual discussions with him. Like, should I marry him? 
you know, it's, mm. it's, it's very real in terms of this feeling people often have of a difference in the dynamic between people. Uh huh. You know? So that, so just to take it away from you, so we, it's not too personal, yeah, for but sure. to bring it to Devorah, it actually says her husband was an ignoramus when they got married in terms of Bible study, in terms of religion. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. It makes it even more extreme. She and here was, she is where everybody's coming to her for advice, right? right yeah, right, right. And she was modest too. It says, she, why does it say she was under a, 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 a date palm tree? A tree, yes. Usually judgments are in private. So you go to the male rabbi, you're in private, you talk, you leave, but you can't be alone. The seclusion laws, I think you also have seclusion laws in your religion, right? That um, makes so much sense. You're outside, but it's still semi-private that she can adjudicate. So she sees a woman who's yeah. fiery, she's dynamic, but she still remains modest. She remains dedicated to religion and her husband. Her husband, excuse me for saying ignoramus, but he wasn't learned in the religion. You know, think of what do you yeah. think about that kind of dynamic people might feel as a visceral feeling before they use their intellect, you know? Sure, sure. Well, <laughs> that can be very tricky too. <laughs> but... but I, it's, it sounds to me like there is definitely mutual respect there though. And that's, that's what you need, you know? And that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that visual that you just painted of her being under the tree and, 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 you know, being respectful of the laws of the time, but also wanting to help the people and, and making sure that that's a private situation. That That's a really right. neat visual. Yeah. But you know what, even today we keep these laws in my religion and you have women that are some women uh, believe they could be rabbis, but many are uh, Jewish law advisors or leaders, leaders, yeah. and they need to navigate the laws of seclusion. If I was a rabbi, I had to do it. Sometimes I met women outside, so you're not alone. So even it even applies today. Yep. And, you know, I knew someone we call a rabbitson, a rabbi's wife. There's a woman who's my wife's teacher in Israel 15 yeah. years ago, super wise woman. And she said she met someone who seemed to be, quote unquote, regular guy, not super uh creative not super dynamic but she and her her rabbi had to tell her marry him he's a good guy and they're happily married and they laugh about it and even though she might just know some more sources he also studies also it's not a big deal yeah it gets even better with deborah you're not going to believe this why does it say her husband was a wick maker why does it call him a wick man because instead of cutting him down instead of demeaning him she she did something very furtive she said you know what i'm going to make some wicks for the temple they lit the menorah in the temple i'm gonna make some wicks can you bring it to the temple for me so instead of being a wastrel on the corner he brought him to the temple he sat with the rabbis he studied and he learned and he became he became a sage because she got him into it by building him up isn't that incredible built him up that's right she built him up i love that right and then and in in couples therapy i'm hearing people you know people get frustrated they're negative they cut each other down but i always say you know try to try to you know it's not your job to fix your spouse you can give right. them the opportunity to opportunity to build themselves up, the opportunity yep. for your husband to grow. That's right. That's right. And I like it when you do this. You know, I really prefer this. This is great for our relationship instead of why are you doing this? What are yeah. That's like a negative thing. So that's a, it's incredible yeah. source that she would furtively, subtly build them up. And he felt like, oh man, this was accidental, but I'm a smart guy now. Wow. And and he had a purpose, right? And that's he was right. learning the entire time. And I I, I love that thought as well. Cause I feel like when we really, you know, and we do it too, we're human, but when we get into that point where I, where I'm maybe cutting Teague down instead of building him up, it's usually because I, for a selfish purpose, I'm it thinking has about to do with anger or something. Oh, yes. That's yeah. right. Yep. And I, and I believe this is kind of advanced seven ways stuff, my system, but I believe it's psychology. I mean, part of women really is more sensitive to security and to safety in the home to bringing up problems in the family. John Gottman proved this with his research. He's very good. For sure. 
And men are a little more about risk and about going out. Now, both people have both things, but when women are concerned about security, concerned about problems, if it's not being addressed, there is an anger there. Now, again, the anger, I think, is meant to become a fiery person and to speak about it, but we're not always taught how to do it. It's a high level way of thinking. That's exactly right. Yeah. Let me set aside my real anger and just be a little fired up and I'll I'll, I'll talk to my (laughs) husband, you know. Yes. But sometimes in therapy, I say, you know, your husband has listened for a long time. I don't mind if you rankle him. I don't mind if you raise it as long as you're being constructive, referencing the family. Because now let's get into men over here and, and taking initiative. OK, this yeah. is a big topic. <laughs> I need to make like a podcast about this. God yes. willing. But men do have a nature that is kind of stubborn and objects at rest tend to stay at rest. They don't want to change. Part of the relationship is a man. You know, if you have three judges, two can overrule one. But when you have a, a couple it's one against one. It's, it can be impossible. One person has to humble themselves and then the other one gives. So when the man humbles himself to listen to his wife's criticism, she says, okay, he's a safe man. I'm also going to humble yes. myself. I'm going to give back. But, yes. but, if, but if a man doesn't do it, a woman keeps trying and trying. The man yes. doesn't always feel that. Women feel the energy from the husband. They feel that reflectiveness. The children feel it. So when I'm in couples counseling, I try to build up the husband. Let's build up your self-confidence. Let's realize you actually are a leader in this family. That's you, right. give your, you give your energy to this family. When you're humbling yourself, you're not, it's not like your boss yelling at you. When your wife is saying something, it might not be the right tone, but the right. content always has some good content for you to listen to, to humble yourself. And then you're an example for the family. The woman imitates and gives back. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think it's hard. Well, I had a lot of thoughts right when you were talking, but I think where it gets difficult sometimes is um, I'm, I'm speaking for myself, but I think for a lot of women, um, when, when you don't feel secure, when you feel like your husband's not leading or you don't feel secure, then that equals not feeling loved. And so that's where kind of the breakdown starts to happen. And when you don't feel loved, you don't give respect to your husband. And when you're not giving respect to your husband, your husband doesn't feel loved. And so then there's this conflict happening, right? That's right. And and for a lot of men, I think that that respect really is what equals love for them. And if they're not feeling that respect, then that why would they step up? You know, there's yeah, they don't want the respect or even just like one of the number one things men reported on studies is understanding wife and calm. Um, they have to, they have to be understanding first, but they don't yes. like the static. Men actually get very anxious no. and flooded much more than yes. women. <laughs> women, women, eight out of eight out of eight out of nine categories of pain. Women can handle more than men. Men can handle the construction type of stuff more than women. So I, men actually get flooded and anxious, and that's why they stonewall or they get they run For away, sure. they get feisty. So they men, what you're talking about, I call the wet paper bag. Men have to do double duty to get out of that situation hmm. i don't expect the wife to change first because women feel imitation because men have more power men have more strength women have more verbal acumen and bring up problems it's sort of a trade-off because yep. you don't have three you don't have two against one you have one against one that's um, right that's right so saying to the man if you do push yourself and you eat it and you go for it the women will respond if they don't we call them out if they don't like five like maybe five percent of women are, are addicted to drugs or spoiled and it's really hard to get them going but most women will follow yes. suit in that category um, yes. But that yes. taking initiative, right? This take, but this taking initiative permeates a lot. What do you think, Aaron, about taking initiative with family meetings and earning a living and things like that? Oh, huge. Um, honestly, Ting and I have learned a lot. We've been married for 17 years now, and I'm I'm so grateful for that. I mean, Ian, Ian knows there's um so much divorce in our family. We really did not see a great example of marriage. And um I so going into it we didn't really know what we were doing. We were just trying to figure it out, but we knew divorce wasn't an option. And so we have figured that out over the years. And to be honest, Ian, I, one thing that we do 
every single week, not fail every single Sunday, Teague and I have a meeting, just the two of us. We go over what's working, what's not working. We go over our calendar. We go over our schedules. We go over our kids. We go over our relationship. We go over everything so that we have time set aside really to talk about all those issues and communicate because life gets so busy, right? Life just gets busy. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're on one page and I'm on another page and we have no idea what the other one's doing. And that's where the breakdown starts happening. Um, So I'm not sure that even answered your question, but I, I really truly feel like having that time set aside to, to communicate, to be very open and honest with one another, to have, um, even at a scheduled meeting, put it in your calendar, you know? Yeah. So first of all, this is what I recommend to couples also. And if they can't do it, do it in front of the therapist. I stopped telling people yes. to do it at home. I said, do it in front of me because there's a breakdown in the communication and bad feelings. But let me prove to you how you did answer my question. Okay. When you're in the meeting with Teague, is he dragging his feet and avoiding it? Or is he an active participant? That is a great question. I think at the beginning, it was a little bit dragging his feet because he's like, what are we doing and why are we doing this? And now, honestly, if we miss our meeting, Ian, both of us are off all week long. We look forward to it. He's so excited. We're excited about being on the same page. We're excited about- That right there is a man taking initiative. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That is a man taking initiative. And and he sits there and he listens to critique and he he goes with it and Aaron feels- given to and she doesn't continue it because it's solved that's right that's right okay. yep do you, out, do you want me to cut out the part when he wasn't doing it before oh no no, no he's fine okay okay <laughs> tell him tell him i'll cut it out uh, later i can do that not later. at all he we're very open and honest with i no. i you know how do people learn unless we share our mistakes too right it's i appreciate yeah. your vulnerability i think it's beautiful and i myself had uh, i knew how to be a nice person I had absolutely no clue to be a husband and a father in the advanced yes. sense it took yeah. me six years of reading books and trial and error to put together this system. Uh, thank God that God has put in my lap. Many things have been put in my lap. I know everything. I'm so smart. God gave me certain schooling and certain books along yeah. the way that helped me. And it's, that's how we see it's not just us. It's God helping us. We shouldn't be arrogant. But, Absolutely. Um, it took me a long time to figure it out. But it's to the point where I try to be involved in everything. And I feel nosy, but the family feels actually love because your wife wants you to be involved. Yep. Kids want you to be involved. And yep. here's the formula. I got a formula. Now we're talking about men, women stuff. I'm all, I'm all excited. I love it. <laughs> the formula is now this, this brings us right back to Barack and Deborah. Yeah. Okay. The formula is a man says, I think this, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds pithy or perfect, whatever. The reason is that men are like, well, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I yeah. don't know what woman, uh, wife, girlfriend, uh, that is the biggest turnoff to women. It puts them in a position where Yes. So disgusted, right? Yes. <laughs> I, speaking from experience, we literally, yes. Tina and I just had this conversation literally yes. a week ago. <laughs> yes. yes. You want your husband to have a, you want your husband to have an opinion, but yep. you don't want him to say, I think this is what it is. I want you to do that. That's a dictator. It's very right. subtle, but that's the opposite of the spectrum. The, the best thing is the man has an opinion. So woman respects him. Yes. And she thinks he's thinking. And then he says, what do you think? The woman can have an opinion and influence him and influencing him together. Yes, absolutely. And that mutual respect, that is how you build that mutual respect for sure. Yes. And now I'll be a little critical here because in John Gottman's book, he kind of says the same thing, but he kind of has a word salad where he's like, well, in this religion, the man is in charge, but the men and women really decide things together. It doesn't make any sense. That's just them deciding it together. What does it mean? The the man is, I should say a leader. What does it mean? The man is like a leader. Whenever, let me, let me get an example. Coming home from a tired family vacation, everyone's tired. 
the man needs to gird himself to make sure everyone gets in the house. If the woman's mm-hmm. off the handle, I'm not going to pressure her. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This, there's certain times when a man needs to push his opinion more or push the behavior more. So I do think a man has a certain influence in leadership in the family, but, the, but it's really done together though. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, for sure. The influence and, is there together. And, and we're supposed to have some different roles because we complement each other, right? We're not supposed to be exactly the same. We're supposed to have different roles and that I personally believe that's how God designed it, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And there are some times that he drives me nuts, but I'm so grateful to to have a husband who honors that role as a husband and father and that I can compliment. We can compliment each other. I just think it's the most beautiful. This marriage is like the weirdest, but most beautiful, amazing thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it can be hecker. It could be heaven. And the the difference is really. Just a few ingredients. Absolutely. Crazy. Absolutely. Alex, he's amazing. He, he works hard. He's a, he, he provides for his family. He loves his children, he his wife. He's a great man. I need to talk to him more. I'll get him on the horn. Um, I would have gone to his class, but I was really tired. But I will. I will. Um, <laughs> so back to this. this car, let's get back to the text over here. Verse 10. No. Yeah. For, verse 8. So when, you know, w- let's get into why Barack maybe says it. But when he yeah. says, when he doesn't say, heck yeah, I'm going and leading the men. It's kind of a violation of what, how men are supposed to be interacting. Even though she's the wisest, she's saying, you're a fighter. You know, yeah. can you go be a fighter? And when he doesn't say that, she says to him, I will take, I have to take all the glory from the situation, but I'll mm-hmm. go with you. And then they're supported and then they, um, then they go. Yeah. So, Do you think that's just another example though, like, like you brought earlier, that she was trying to build him up, right? Maybe he didn't have that confidence in himself. And she's saying, you can do this. I'll go with you. Let's go. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but that's a great interpretation. I like that interpretation. I was thinking it just kind of is the necessity because she's not really a sword fighter. Um, that's I, true. Thought I, I thought it was normal, but at the same time, hey, listen, I'm sh- in every tribe they had swordsmen, in every tribe they had an army. So I like that idea. I'm gonna write that down. I never thought about that. That's really good. <laughs> you see, everyone, you're learning from all kinds of people. I love um, it. Build him up. We can all learn from each other. Yeah, that's a good interpretation, man. I have a theory about maybe why he didn't take initiative. I never really got into it, but yeah. if you go back to my introduction in the Jewish and the non-Jewish one, okay, idolatry, right? Yep. A lot of idolatry has to do with prostitution and indulgence and people creating their own desires and their own image, people creating these, uh, the osteros and um, people create archetypes that represent what they want instead of like God not having a form or an image and all that. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. So what does this feed into? This feeds into men's unhealthy view. No, no. Men's unhealthy paradigm for how to indulge, creating mm-hmm. a woman, creating a woman who will indulge for him. He, but everything we talked about today, you have to do the work to get into the temple. You know, you need to That's right. respect the woman and feel good. And then it's a true relationship of connection, physical and emotional bond. So if, if, if a man creates an idol, that's just, Hey, let's go to the temple and do things. Or, yeah. um, I call that a Lilith, you know, everyone had this whole Lilith thing about Adam and Lilith and Adam and Eve and all that. So I understand this type of expoundation literature to be metaphorical. Okay. Uh, I think it means like this, Adam is a paradigm for like humans, how humans act and behave. And yeah. I think Lilith is like the paradigm that every man has for how he thinks the most pornographic indulgent woman should be. Like I talk to people in therapy, even female therapists, what type of pornography are you looking at? Or how, you know, thank, thank goodness you've overcome your urges. I yeah. think men have a certain uh, indulgent archetype that's different than their ideal wife. 
together. Yes. So mm-hmm. Adam, Adam has to forsake the psychological indulgence to get that, to get the real woman that's good for matching up with his personality. Right. It's so, almost like they're trying to create their own world. Yes. To be honest. Yeah. An easy woman and a woman yeah. that they think is. I don't want to get too into the details of all that stuff. Some people want want an older woman, but I think that's just a woman taking care of him. It's like, well, what? Yep. They don't want to be like. It doesn't matter the age of your wife, but it's like, oh, I want this mom figure to take care of me. Oh, that's an inversion of everything. It doesn't work. It's an indulgence. Um, that's right. Well, someone who's fun and everything, but maybe your wife needs to tell you the hard truth about things. And that's good for you, dude. That's right. Um, so in that's the, right. In the, yes, in these times, there it was idolatry was the they were rife with idolatry, and some mm. of them were feminine archetypes. So. I'm something I wanted to highlight more in all my classes was kind of the breakdown of male and female father and mother archetypes and um, the need to kind of rebuild those um, archetypes within Israel at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it could be that could be that he's had, could be the society around him influenced him through sure. subtle idolatry to be like, you know, like, now, like nowadays, you know, people, men are, are people don't have a, as many fathers in the home. Yeah, uh, they say get, the people go after the gang leader or the drug dealer because that's like a father figure. Like they did studies on this. Um, yep, you know, they're trying they're, to be part of something bigger than themselves because they didn't get that from their father. Yeah, yep. and we we malign fathers nowadays as an idolatrous idea and men, but there's there's toxic masculinity, there's healthy masculinity. I always say that in terms yeah. of what we're saying. So it could be that's the reason why he was hesitant in terms of a lesson for us. Sure. Um, so yeah that that actually dovetails with what i want to speak about isn't it interesting there's no idol there's no actual idol mentioned in this uh passage yeah however i believe that the idol here is sister of the general let's get into this yeah so first of all the sexual the sexual thing sister had prostitutes engraved on his chariot to get hot when he went to battle yeah. So he had his own sex addiction, subjugation to the sex idol. Excuse my profane language. And interestingly, I saw a great source from Maimonides. He's uh, one of the most famous Jewish rabbis in history, Middle Ages. The Dark Ages were bright for the Jews and Islam, but uh, not the Christian world. But Not so, so much for the Christians. Yes. No, no, it was dark <laughs> for them. That's why they call it that. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> tough times, tough times. Right. Um, so... Maimonides wrote a book that has what he calls every Jewish law there is in a compendium, Mishnah, Torah, the repetition of the Bible, the Torah. Yeah. He writes laws about idolatry. So it's like, here's what not to do. Here's the key. Over here, keep the Sabbath, keep kosher. Don't keep these laws of idolatry. These are the prohibitions, negative commandments. (laughs) So in there, he throws in the laws of blasphemer, blaspheming, meaning to curse God or to tell God to curse himself. God forbid. Okay. And... I understand that to mean that, you know, part of not believing in God or diminishing God's presence is to blaspheme and to curse. You're basically saying there should not be God. It's, it's, it's related right. to idolatry. It is idolatry. My mind is just telling right. us through that, through that structure of his book, he's telling us it is idolatry. Right. So it says in Jewish sources, I have it right here. Cicero was one of the biggest blasphemers in history. He would say nasty, nasty things. Yeah. God and curse God. So I believe that he himself, well, because he thought he, he's a very prideful dude, right? He didn't right. think he needed anybody else. Yeah. You got it. And, and, and how do prideful people get killed? Like Titus and all that. God makes little things come and beat them to show that they should be humble. So a little peg in the head from a female, oh. 
<laughs> right. And in, the, in those times, it's really embarrassing to get beaten by a female. And that's what happened. Yeah. The war, the war was Deborah Honor and uh, Jael, Jael um, put that little, t- yeah. little tiny piece in his head and he died to show you the arrogance will not yes. help. In these times, the information was highly controlled, kind of like the censorship of the internet now, right? Yes. And, you know, the, the victor wrote the story and everyone was afraid and you had a couple etchings here and there or some papyrus or whatever. Um, yeah. But there was no free and flowing of information and freedom. No. So nobody believed that they, the Jewish people did not believe they could beat Sisera and Job. And that was kind of the information of the day. Sure. But when it, when the victory happened, the information changed. So why do I use that? Am I just, am I just a rabbi drumming up some homiletic sermon here? It's, it's <laughs> in the Hebrew. <laughs> I, like, I like meaty content. I love it. Yeah. Deborah says to Barak, if you don't go, it will not be a tiferet for you, tifartcha. It will not be your glory. Now, the word hod in Hebrew is more like a glory of a victory. Tifartcha is actually the word, one of the seven archetypes and symbols and personalities that we that I highlight here, seven yeah. steps of kingship. It means symbolism. It means um, metaphor, uh, media, abstract. Mm, so yeah. this battle is not just one little smiting. Right. It is symbolic of the fact that God can defeat any foe, even this if is the a odds statement. are him. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's a statement. And the whole narrative changed here. Yeah. Deborah is a woman of information and the victory was a T-first. So you have the media and the information that yeah. changed at that time. And that, I mean, doesn't that relate so much to what we're dealing with in our time with slanted information, slanted media? Oh, absolutely. Not believing in things, both yes. in terms of our faith and what's right in terms of faith and in terms of golly, this whole COVID thing the past year and a half, where to find information, what is true, the slanting, the, even a, one little um, image can invoke fear in people. And then Absolutely. later, later, it's like, well, they shouldn't have that fear. It's, it's complex. Absolutely. I do, I, yeah. I well, do I believe- mean, talk about idolatry. Just look at our culture right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it's um, pretty much let's worship anything but God. You know, yes. there's there, there's a ton of that going on right now. And, um, I, I get, uh, very leery, I guess is the word of the information coming at us because there's always a personal agenda right. and someone wants us to think a certain way instead of us having our own thoughts. Cause when we have, you know, f- our freedoms and we have our own free thoughts and we're own free thinkers then we can't really be controlled. Right? right. And, and just like, I think on both sides here, I mean, if you think of, um, Cicero, 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 Cicero's army. Like that's exactly what he was doing the whole time. He didn't, he didn't want them to be free thinkers. He wanted to control them and their actions and exactly what they were doing. And so he would only feed them the information that would, that would comply with that purpose. Right. And I, and I think it's exactly what's happening right now. It doesn't really matter what side you're on. It's, I think it's happening on both sides, unfortunately. That's right. It's an information war and people have their own personal agenda, whether it's a company or an individual. And you mentioned right. earlier, you know, the whole me, the me, the me thing. We went from a me generation yeah. to like a hyper me generation with the TikTok yes. and all these kind of things and selling something and individual yes. expression and in a bad way. Going, going back to our whole marriage conversation. And then people wonder why we have a 60% divorce rate, right? Well, yeah. nobody knows how to be unselfish and to put someone else 
before yourself, right? You That's the it. only way a relationship it. is going to work is if I put, and, and it's not, again, it's not that I'm being subservient or something. It's it, right. if I put kind of my own feelings to the side and really put my husband first, but he does the same and there's mutual respect there. That's, That's right. how a relationship can truly function in a beautiful, wonderful, respectful way. But most people are not growing up that way now. It's all me, 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 me. That's right. Um, you know, how can I get what I want in the quickest time possible? And unfortunately, I think we are growing up with a lot of people now, I, even our generation, but younger than us that are extremely selfish and it's kind of not really their fault most of the time, but right. that's what they've been fed, you know? Right. And it takes a long time to get out of it. Yeah. Very long. Yeah. There, I'll, I'll say a joke. I don't have to explain it, but it's funny, but like, you know, and, and Jewish people go to rabbinical school, you know, so there's like the principal who's like the smartest guy, you know? Yeah, the, the Moses. And then there's the guy we call the Mashkiach. He's kind of the guy that goes around. He's like a spiritual advisor, you know. So in Jewish law, when you get married for a year, you're supposed to stay home and spend extra time with your wife. You know, it's called the first year of marriage. That's cool. <laughs> but it gets, you know, but it gets a bad rap nowadays because of all these, all the, all the conflictual, you know, all this, what you're saying, the adjustment period of marriage. Yes, That's what I'm yes. trying to say. The principal tells you the adjustment period is one year because he's the academic dude. But the guy who's there talking to people says it takes about seven years. <laughs> <laughs> that can be true too <laughs> that's right that's right so the, the, it. but it doesn't have to be people have the right tools and i i literally say the same thing you were saying that humble humble ourselves to yeah. compromise or to uh go with a different opinion absolutely that's part of the essence, the essence of the of the situation yeah, there i agree sorry to go back to your point <laughs> no no it's good it's good um, I wish I knew I was saying this is hilarious. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm making you get off idolatry. We we're talking about idolatry. I love, I love it. Just to touch a little bit, of, a little bit upon the jail person at the end. Yeah. So actually, the main sources say she was not a Jewish person, and there's kind of this little thread that's skipped over by people here. Go back to 411. It's kind of like. It's kind of like this interjected little thing. Oh, there's a man named Heber the Canaanite. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's, what's, who, is, who are these people, right? Right. And if you go back, they're actually mentioned way early in the book. In, um, in I think in chapter one, um, 116, the children okay. of the Canaanite, Moses' father-in-law. This, these are the children of Moses' father-in-law. They moved over to... Jer um, Jericho, is that what yeah. you call it? Yeah. And then they moved again down to Judah. But they used to live in the desert. Get this. They, li they live next to this nation called Amalek. And Amalek is mentioned a bunch of times. The Amalek are deconstructionist, violent people who hate religion. And they attack the Jewish people when they come out of Egypt. And they keep attacking and attacking. I believe they're similar to people around America who are hired to go and cause chaos and destruction. And they're, they're anarchists. They're, yeah. they, 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 they're so, but here's the, here's the, here's the nuance here. They're so open-minded that you can't be set on one thing that their brain fell out. They're so open-minded that <laughs> they're the archetype, but let's go back to Joseph. So I believe Joseph is an archetype for somebody who can, who can thrive even in a secular environment. He goes down to Egypt. He's yep. a, he's a management consultant. He's a structure. He, he brings holy to the mundane. He survives even in a secular environment. But there's sort of the impure side to this, um, I call it connective, this, you so this Joseph paradigm, this Joseph ability, where somebody could be so open that they're 
they want they think they should destroy everything nothing is sacred let's keep being right, so right. kind of open yeah. and secular yeah they say it's like a fat man jumping into a hot bathtub the amalek is like these jewish people are too excited about religion they need to cool off so they, they just right. they, they go and they attack but they get killed themselves but they're like great we stop these don't be so don't be so religiously fervent okay right right so J- jethro lived next to them he lived in a place called mid mid midian uh-huh. We'll talk about them a lot in the, in the next section. Midian is like the anti-Moses. They're like the people who are anti-religion. Um, They're mentioned earlier. Moses is buried across from this Peor idol. They worship Peor idol, which is defecation and like abrogation of responsibility. They, they can't stand religion either. So Jethro came to God because he worshiped all the other religions. He, he didn't, he wasn't observant at birth. He came to it as a convert. He's like a paradigm for a convert before, yeah. Ruth, before Ruth in the book of Ruth. Interesting. So his children are living, they, they, his children kind of enjoy being in the desert, nomadic. They're around people who are, re- are religious and, and open-minded and they're waiting for the Jews to come to Israel. And okay. They come, they come over to, Jews are in Israel. Boom, let's go to Jericho. It's the first city. It's like a major miracle. Great. Then they go down to Judah. Judah, we said, is the paradigm for king, kingship and kingliness. David comes from there. They want to be somewhere safe. It's also yep. next to Benjamin and next to Joseph. They're back next to their Joseph type of archetype, open-minded people. Yeah. And, and then um, Heber, the Canaanite, that some people say that is Jethro, whatever, his, his children are there. That's mentioned yep. again in 411. And Yael is there. All right. Okay. Now get this. Joseph understands the physical world and, sec- and what's beauty. You know, uh, yeah. Shekhar, beauty is vain. Beauty is nothingness. That this is Joseph. When Jacob comes back from a long time away. He confronts Esau, his brother Esau. How do you pronounce it? In Jacob's I, brother Esau. I'm probably not the best one to, <laughs> to ask. And, and Jacob has four wives. He puts them there, and his children are in front of them. But Joseph okay. goes in front of Rachel to hide her beauty. Oh yeah. Joseph survives not because he's like in an ivory tower. He actually understands beauty and inappropriateness. And he knows how to stay away from it. He doesn't give in to the temptations of his master. Yeah. So I, I'm theorizing here. Jael comes from Jethro, who's similar to Moses. She's able to under, she's someone who is in touch with the beauty and the physical and the secular. Yeah. She is able to utilize her beauty, not to give in to this evil sex addict, nasty man. Right. She uses her, uses her beauty to seduce him and to conquer him. So she right. know she she knew she did she wasn't like oh my I'm too religious to save the day here you know she's yes, like I'll, yes. I'll be seductive even right. some people say she actually slept with him but you're allowed to break the law to save the day and she saved millions of people getting murdered so yes whether she did any actions or not she at least was alone with him and brought him in and made him fall asleep so I think that's the righteous non-Jewish woman Jael and as yes. we said if someone's super arrogant. God makes a little thing fall them, smite yes. them to prove that the haughty will are not. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's why I think this little section is here. And it dovetails with the religion themes and with the media kind of themes that we're saying. Even the mighty have fallen. Even the mighty can fall if God is sending the um sending the uh the the, the divine providence over there. Yes. All right, so let's circle back to Deborah and then we will. Um, then we'll finish up. I have a funny passage from the Talmud and I want to, I'm going to interpret this and nobody get hurt. Okay. So (laughs) it says here that, um, you know, um, you know, we know that Deborah was archetype for wisdom. There's another woman named Hulda 
and I'm hopefully want to give a seven ways women's ways class on all seven archetypes and Hulda is archetype to be again like Joseph I think she was a dynamic uh, a broad thinking woman um, yeah. she even came from Joshua who came who's ancestor of Joseph same tribes again yep and um, at that time uh, God said to go to her and not to the other famous prophet of the era so I see her as a paradigm for another woman who's, she, she's the greatest person around. You got to go to her. Yep. And yep. she gives, uh, she gives prophecy. She gives advice. The prophets used to like, it was very intense when they gave a message. They would fall on the floor and it was very violent. And oh, they wow. gave over the archetype. They gave over the message in their own uh, symbology of their mind. Sure. So they went to her because women are more merciful. So she gave over this um, scary message of doom in a more merciful way. But it says there were two women, but they accidentally became arrogant. This is the this is the downside. A woman yeah. who's really smart, she could become arrogant. And yeah. Deborah says everything everything was a problem until I came. I saved the day. <laughs> she loses loses her she loses her prophecy, just like Moses loses his prophecy temporarily because yeah. she says that. So I never I never mentioned what her name means. Okay, so it says here there's two women who became arrogant. And they have repulsive names. One of them is Deborah. Her name means a bee, a wasp. She's a bee. Okay. And Hulda means a weasel. Okay. Oh, wow. Right. So I don't think the Talmud is saying like, oh my God, these names are ugly because all of God's creatures are beautiful and, and sure. um, you know, but, but it, I think it's highlighting that, you know, again, people, it, women who are wise and assertive, this double-edged sword on the one hand. Yeah women get out there, be in business, be in STEM, be awesome. Yep. On the other hand, they'll always be haters. You know, oh, she's such yep. a witch. She's so sure. And it's very easy for anybody to, to cross the line, to be arrogant or obnoxious. Sure. Um, but we need to view this as a positive that uh, women's ways, uh, even if someone has the gender of a female typological personality, they can still have an influence in the community and in business in the world. And yes. back to Deborah. Yeah. Okay. People who are analytic, I know INTJ, ENTJ, whatever you want to call it, analytic people who are wise, they can seem blunt and factual and obnoxious to us. And they're sticklers for the rules and what's righteous. Yep. But we have to remember that um, there's, there's a benefit to that. She sat under a date tree. Yep. Why? Because of seclusion. Another opinion says, just as a date tree only has one heart, heart of palm. Huh. So, so too Israel in that generation only had one heart to their God in heaven. When some, when someone's trying to give over wise advice, you know, pastor or rabbi, we don't want to hear it. We, Oh, I, I pay the rabbi. I, I pay the pastor. I want to, you know, get rid of his contract. And that's why I know in your faith, they have their own, uh, their own uh, job, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make my own synagogue. So right. you know, <laughs> we don't, I don't want to hear it. No, in our generation, we're too sensitive. We're too defensive. We need to hear Yep. Um, chastisement, but it's, it's, it's not, doesn't build you down. Even that word right. sounds so dirty, but truth. Right. Deborah is trying to bring truth. Moses is bringing truth. They when Moses died, they mourned for seven days. It says 30 days by Aaron. Cause Aaron's so nice and he brings peace and he's so emotional, right. <laughs> but Oh, Moses is always telling me off. And no, he's not telling you off. He's just trying to, he wants to help. So Deborah right. here wants to help. And Deborah said to herself, this is in the Jewish tradition, not in the text. I, I, it's hard for me to separate from the Bible, from Torah. Yeah. It's good to cleave to it. It was the Torah. The Bible was given with um, great awe and might. And uh -huh. it says that they, they saw the lightning and they, no, they saw the thunder and they heard the lightning. It was the crazy mixing up of uh, 
Interesting. It says it in the Hebrew and in English. Isn't that crazy? It mixes, it mixes up the senses. Interesting. It was, it was given with, with awe, with awe, with awe. Yeah. So too, we have to have trepidation. So Deborah says the, the Bible was given with trepidation. So too, I have to cleave to it. I love it. That's why Israel was passed over into the hands of their enemies here so they could learn how to cleave on to Judaism and religion. Deborah was a paradigm for a revival. There was a revival yes. going on yes. of religion. We cannot believe the bad guys are going to win. We must believe that there's salvation and the good guys are going to win. Yes. That is the powerful message. It's not annoying and obnoxious to hear. Right. About religion and morality. It's much easier to indulge and to yes. click a button. We, we're all kings, right? We click a mouse and that's we do right. what we want next in a few hours. That's, that's a lot easier of a path, right? We don't actually have to do the hard work that way. That's right. Click on yeah. a button. Yep. And, all that and most, per- most people don't want to hear when they're wrong. <laughs> No, it's difficult to hear. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times from, you know, if you're married from your wife, that's difficult to hear. It kind of hurts pride a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's also very important because, you know, why do they call them blind spots? Well, obviously, because we're blind to them. Right. So we need someone else's perspective a lot of times. And I think Deborah's a great example of that. She was giving people perspective, like, nope, this is the direction you need to go. And most people are like, that's "That's not where I want to go. Well, that's the direction you need to go. Exactly. (laughs) even though it's the harder road, that's, that's where we need to be. Exactly. And they didn't always listen to the judges, but eventually they did. Right. It says that there were 42 male judges and seven female judges, and they didn't listen to them as much as they listened. You know, the book of Esther. Mm-hmm. So King Ahasuerus gives Haman the ring. That fear that came from there caused more repentance than all the judges and female judges so you know we, we need to push ourselves to listen to the word and to work on ourselves absolutely and the and i and i believe it comes from a lack of self-esteem we'll talk about maslow's hierarchy of needs this is all connected um the first thing i do in couples therapy is i try to build up the man to have the confidence because then he can hear the yes advice from the wife yes. and then he does it and then guess what usually the wife follows and she changes you don't even have to criticize her that much women That's don't right. like criticism and i think women are very hard on themselves already they don't want to hear Yep, More. they don't need someone else to do it too. Right. It has to be guard- <laughs> that's that guarding part. That's a guarding part and uh, pushing. Yes. Or there's a way to say it, but yeah, build up the man. So I, I think, tell me what you think about this. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know. Um, I think once each rung is met, the next yeah. one it's activated, you know. So Absolutely. you got the sustenance, the safety, then you want social things, then you want group things, then you want actually. So long story short, if you look in the if you look in the book of Exodus. There's actually a there's a religious version that parallels it and gives even more Exodus 12. It goes from like owning servants and hitting people's bodies to like the Bible Bible being given on Mount Sinai. So I I believe it has six sections. I believe it's a a parallel. So there's a religious precedent for this that's even better. But my point is that I think today now now that we have more of our needs met, we actually have more problems. We have more psychology that can come out. It used to be life was very simple, not just because they were busy. I don't think all their complex psychology was activated. Like in the mm-hmm. royal family, it was because they have plenty of money and they have problems. But, you know, having two wives, there was less fighting. We don't have that nowadays. Don't, it doesn't work. Right. And people just do one full day of threshing your wheat. I mean, it's unbelievable. Laundry one whole day. So um, well, now, people were a lot more in survival mode, right? Literally. Yes, and so yes. you, you didn't have time to sit down and meditate and, and think about psychological needs. <laughs> and That's right. That's right. You just had to put food on the table. That's right. I think they didn't have time. And I think it wasn't even always activated in their brain Yeah, for to, sure. to be in that pro- program. 
so to speak. Completely, completely. But, but, but both are true. So, um, so this, you know, this study will should be a blessing for all people of faith and not of faith to come together to remember uh, God's providence and how much God gives to us. And we should see uh, the end of all the uh, stress in our times. But even if there is stress, we have to remember that God is in charge. Just yeah. as the end of the book of Esther, when all the Jews were supposed to die, one letter went out that said they could defend themselves and all the thing was topsy-turvy and they won. They were not killed. Haman yeah. was hanged on the same gallows that Morde- Mordecai yeah. was supposed to be hanged on it. So I'm sorry to talk about death. Not everything is death and murder. Um, but, you know, we, we have to remember the impending uh, doom can easily be uh, shifted around and we should watch less news. Absolutely. I mean, that's what it- <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. This is good. And honestly, I feel like it all, all of it, everything we've been talking about, you know, marriage and war and battles and Esther and all of it, it, to me anyway, it all comes back to gratitude. And if we really can fix that in our brain and really understand who's in charge and being grateful for everything that God has given us, no matter what situation in life we are in right now, that's what's going to kind of build us up to that higher plane where we can then understand more of his plan where we can then be more respectful to our spouse where we can, we can then really um, truly live in living in a gratitude state to me is just kind of a higher state. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. And I, I think it all comes down to that. Having a relationship with your spouse, having a relationship with your friends or your family, or when you're in a war situation or when, you know, in the 1700s where it was in survival mode, everything comes back to gratitude for me. And attitude of gratitude. That's right. That's right. And really understanding that none of this is ours. This is, you know, God got it. It's all, it all comes back to him. And if I'm grateful for every single thing I have, even if I'm fighting with my husband at the moment, (laughs) then that's the only way that we're going to be able to work through whatever it is and, and come out better on the other side and learn and grow and, and really try to get rid of those blind spots. You know, that's beautiful. She's preaching. She's, she's uh, contrib- <laughs> contributing a lot, even though you don't think so. You're being hard on yourself as usual, but it's beautiful. I know. Attitude of gratitude because then you focus on the positive. You focus on God, what That's you right. have, and doesn't doesn't help to stew and be addicted to the news. And That's right. That's and, right. And we sit and you, and really we, don't, you don't get stuck in the muck and the mire, right? Because that's exactly right. what's happening to everybody right now. That's right. Focus on the positive. Be grateful for what you have. I tell my kids all the time. <laughs> that's good. They better listen. yeah they're pretty good kiddos very good um i hope you enjoyed the downstream from religion podcast we got to get this wonderful co-host on again my goodness um (laughs) feel free to email me with comments or questions at rabbi rabbi bailey.com please subscribe tell your friends write a review and most most importantly be yourself and be happy and uh have an attitude of gratitude all right that's right (laughs) (laughs) 